It is good to see everybody at home. I know in the room you're like, hey, there's only a few of us, but there's about, I don't know, 70, 80 families watching at home. So it's good to see you guys. It is good to see everybody in the room today, too. I'm going to get out of the way while everybody does their thing for a second. If you have your Bibles, would you uh, open to Genesis chapter 17? Genesis chapter 17. Let me slide this over a little bit. We are going to be continuing in our series today, Believing in God When Life Doesn't Work. Now, I just want to warn you, okay, I've been cooped up in a house for three months itching to preach, so I am all the way wound up and ready to go, so if I say anything that sparks a little fire in your soul, you can give me an amen, you can give your wife a little alarm bump if you're at your house and your couch, just, you know, I can hear it from here, okay, I promise you. So anyway, today we are going to be diving in the book of Genesis as we have been walking through the life of Abraham. And the title of the sermon this morning is Walking With Me. You see, Abraham is at a crossroads in life when he can go one of two ways. He can walk in the flesh or he can follow God and walk in the spirit. And over this series, we have been seeing that Abraham has a special calling on his life by God. So we're going to dive right into the text. We've got a, a good bit of text to get through. We're going to go all the way through chapter 17 this morning, and then the first half of chapter 18. And I might jump a little, uh, around a little bit, so just stay with me. Let's start in verse 1. You can see it on the screen here. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between you and I will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now, in this current spot in the text, if you notice, Abraham's name had not been yet changed, so he was Abram, and Sarai was his wife. Now, just to give you kind of a little recap, over the past few weeks, we've been walking through the beginning of the life of Abram. And in chapter 15, we see God making a promise and a covenant to Abram because, you see, Abram and Sarai could not bear children. And Abram said, God, if there's one thing I can have, would you please give me a son? So God said, okay, I will form a covenant with you, Abram and Sarai, and you will soon have a son. We know that Abram and Sarai got impatient and as we talked about last week, Pastor Dennis told us that they began to speed up God's plan because it wasn't quite going quick enough. And we know that Sarai came up with a bad, bad plan, and she said, okay, here's what's going to happen. Abram, you're going to sleep with my slave Hagar, and you are going to bear a son from her, and his name then became Ishmael. And, as, and you can imagine that created a little bit of tension and conflict within the marriage. So what we see here today is a continuation of the original covenant that's found in Genesis 15. Now one of the things that's important to realize is that there is a 13-year gap between the birth of Ishmael and this text in chapter 17 when God is speaking to Abram. 13 years 
God was silent. So look how he introduces himself to Abram here in this next verse. He says, oh, next one. He says, I am God Almighty. He introduces himself here as this word, El Shaddai. Many of you have heard of this name before. This is the first time we see God refer to himself as El Shaddai in the scriptures. And what this means is, it means that I am all powerful and I am all sufficient. See, this word El Shaddai is used 36 different times in the scriptures. And the reason that God introduces himself this way is because he wants to remind and inform Abram and Sarah, hey, listen, I am all powerful over all of the earth. I'm also all powerful over all of creation, and I am all powerful over Abram and Sarah's life. Then he says these two things to him. You see, the covenant that God is, this new covenant that God is creating has three conditions. The first covenant in chapter 15, God just said, hey, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a son, okay? This covenant is conditional, meaning that it is based on Abraham's faithfulness and obedience. But there's three parts to the covenant. He says, the first part is you are to walk before me faithfully. And the second part is that you are to be blameless. He says, Abraham, if you want this covenant to work, you have to do these two things, which leads us to our first point this morning. Abraham couldn't receive the blessings of God until he walked faithfully before God. You see, you and I as a Christian, it's sometimes easier for us because where do we turn when we don't know where to go? We turn to the scriptures. We say, well, what does God have to say about that? You see... At the time of Abram's life, he didn't have the scriptures. He was in the middle of the, the writings of the old, like the old Testament was happening. So all he had was God's voice. And the last time he heard from God was 13 years ago. And you see, folks, I think it's very important for us to quickly realize in this story this morning, God is not looking for Abram's perfection, but rather his obedience. Do we ever do this? Do we fall in the sin trap called perfection? You see, sometimes what we do is, all with good intentions, we go into life and we're like, I am gonna do this right. I am gonna live for God. I am gonna be the man that I need to be. And we start off good and we start off going down our path. But you know what happens? Eventually what happens? We fall and we sin. Why? Because we're depraved, sinful humans and we sin. You know what happens? That allows the enemy to come in the back door and start whispering in our ear. And he starts giving us things like condemnation and saying, I don't know why you ever thought in the first place you could accomplish what you could through the Lord because you are a flawed human being. And then this sin begins to grow. It starts off small and it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, our whole psyche's messed up. And we're, we start questioning and doubting. We're like, man, like, I don't even know. Am I a Christian right now? Like, how in the world can the Lord use me? And you know what happens? Because we're trying to seek perfection, we fall off the wagon. Folks, it's very important to us, for us to realize today, God isn't looking for you to have perfection. God is looking for you to show production. You say, I don't have to be perfect. Friend, I'm here to tell you the good news today is that God doesn't want you to be perfect. He wants you to produce. So what do you mean by that? 
You see, when you wear the name of Christ and the Holy Spirit enters in, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And when you do what Abraham refers to as walking before the Lord faithfully, you are saying, God, I am putting your word above my thoughts and my ways. God, I'm going to surround myself by the people of God. I'm going to have accountability in my life. God, I'm going to seek you in prayer. God, I'm going to do everything that I can to grow closer to you. And friends, when you spend time with the Lord, people can't help but notice. You know what happens? What starts off as a little seed begins to grow. And you begin to bear what we call spiritual fruit. You now have evidence of faith in your life. God says, hey, I'm not looking for you to be perfect, but I'm looking for you to produce. See, Abraham, he said, I'm not looking for you to be perfect, Abraham. I just want you to obey me. He says, I want you to walk before me faithfully. Even though you can't see my plan, even though you don't get it, I just want you to trust me, Abraham. Just trust me, follow me, Walk with me. Because Abraham, if you get off this track and you start going down your own path, you're going to make some bad decisions. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to get blamed. So the only way you can be blameless, which is the second part of the covenant, Abram, is that you have to walk with me. And when you walk with me and you seek my will rather than your own will, I will show you the way and you will become blameless. He says, walk with me. See, folks, sometimes in life, we get in trouble when we get out of alignment and try and do God's plan for him. Whew. Do you ever do that in your life? We talked about Sarah. I did that last week. Say, God, I need you to answer my prayer right now a certain way. God, I need you to move God, and if you don't move, I'm going to step in and I'm going to take, I'm going to, I get that you're El Shaddai, but I'm going to slide you over out of the driver's seat. And I'm going to take control and I'm going to begin to drive the car. And you know what we do? We begin to place ourselves in the place of God. And this whole time God's saying, hey, that's fine. You can do what you want. But I'm here to tell you, you're not going to get very far. You know what happens? We make a mistake. And then we throw a pity party for ourselves. God, I messed up. I messed up, I did it again. He's like, hey, listen, you did, but that's the beauty in all of it because you're not perfect, but I am. That's why you've got to follow me and not yourself. We'll come back to that in a minute. Look at this next part of verse three. So we found out the first two conditions of the covenant. Follow God faithfully. Be blameless. Look what he says in this first word. I want you to say it with me on the count of one, two, three. One, two, three. Then. I hope you said it at home. He says, then, when you do the first part and the second part, then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. It says, Abram fell face down. He said, he fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Folks, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I get a little out of alignment myself and I get a little off track and I have to have what I like to call a come to Jesus meeting. And there are times when just 
To be honest with you, getting on my knees doesn't cut it. But I have to humbly lie prostrate, submit myself on my face before a holy and loving and righteous God. And say, God, I messed up. That's what Abram does. But in this moment, he does it out of thankfulness. He does it out of faithfulness. He says, God, I can't believe that you're willing to use a vessel like me. He says, God, I can't believe what's happening. God, you're giving me another chance. Look at the next verse of what happens. He says, oh, you can go back to that one. He says, I will make a covenant with you. I will increase your numbers. I will make you the father of many nations. Then as we continue, he says, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made a covenant with you, and I'm giving you a new name. So the word Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means father of many. So here we see a clear name change. He says not only is your name going to be, go from Abram to Abraham, but your wife is going to go from Sarai to Sarah. Now this is kind of neat because we see this for you Bible wizards out there. We see this uh, in different times throughout the scriptures. We see God changing people's names. Last summer we studied the life of Jacob. And Jacob wrestled with God. Like, come on, who can say they wrestled with the Lord? And during the wrestling match, God's like, hey, Jacob, I'm going to change your name. Your name is now going to be Israel. And in that moment, Jacob's whole life changed. You see, when God would change somebody's name, he didn't do it for no reason. He did it for a purpose. And whenever he did it, he was basically setting them on a new track saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a brand new identity. I am calling you to something that's way bigger than your old name. I'm going to give you a new name, and I want you to follow this new path that I put you on. So Jacob goes to Israel. What about in the New Testament? There's this guy, you might have heard of him. He's a fisherman. His name was, his name was Simon. And one day Simon was walking and Jesus said, hey man, I want you to come and be my disciple. He said, as a matter of fact, you're, not, you're no longer going to be called Simon. He says, because you are going to be one of the rocks that I build my church. You are now going to be called Petros, Peter. He did that for Peter. And just a few chapters later, this bad dude named Saul was walking down the uh, road. He was walking down the road to Damascus. And he says, hey, yo, Saul, you know, we're trying to kind of build this church. We're trying to make disciples, but you're kind of killing all my people, Saul. You're killing me here. He says, Saul, I want you to quit killing Christians. As a matter of fact, I want to transform your life because Jesus in the flesh, post-resurrection, speaks to Saul in the flesh and says, hey, I want you to come switch sides and I want you to be on my team and I want you to go from Saul to Paul as a covenant, a symbol of what I will do in your life. And that's what he's doing for Abraham here. He is changing his name. And Abraham says, God, I, I trust you. I will follow you. I will walk faithfully before you. Notice, Abraham never doubts. He didn't ever fall off the wagon and be like, God, do you realize what you're saying? Like, I don't know if you realize, but I'm a 99-year-old man. Like, God, my wife's 90. Like, there's no way. He doesn't say that. He says, okay, God, whatever you call me to, I've already made that mistake before. I'm not going to divert from the plan again. I will follow you. One of my favorite texts in all the scriptures, it comes from Genesis 15, 6. It says, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it to him as righteousness. If there's two words that we could describe for Abraham, it would be faithfulness 
and obedience. So folks, this leads us to ask this question today. What type of faith do you have when you don't have all the answers? You see, it's one thing to take a test when you know all the answers to the test. But it's another thing to go into a test blind. You're like, as a matter of fact, I don't even know what class I'm in right now. Lord, I'm going to need you to help me out. What type of faith do you have when you don't know what God's calling you into? Maybe in this current season, God is calling you into some things that are bigger than you. You're like, God, God, I don't know if I can keep this tithing thing up. God, like, I, I might lose my job. I don't even know if I've got that protection. And you're asking me to make a financial commitment and give you control of my money? God, like, do you understand what you're asking me? Maybe some of you, God, is calling you to speak or minister to your neighbor or to your coworker. You're like, God, God, I can't speak to them about Jesus because I got a mask on my face. Like this COVID, like, like what? I can't witness. I got a mask. Like I can't even talk. I got to like lift my mask so they can hear, hey, man, do you know Jesus? Like, like whatever, God, I can't do that. God, have you watched the news? Our world is nuts. You want me to help bring racial reconciliation within the church and our country? God, you want me to show empathy to people that I don't even agree with? How am I supposed to do that? God, I don't know how to do that. He says, you get it wrong every time because you think too much about you and not enough about me. He says, that's where you get it wrong. You don't lead yourself I lead you. Walk faithfully before me. Have faith in me. Look as the text continues in verse 7. God says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. Which leads us to our next point this morning. Oh, we're not done yet. It says, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are, undergo, you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Which now leads us to our next point this morning. In order to receive the covenant from God, Abraham must obey God's command. Now, some of you are reading this, and you're like, really? Like, like did he just say circumcision? And so this past week, and you know, I was, you know, all amped up to preach, and Pastor Dennis has been killing it the past few weeks, and I look at the text, and I'm like, Pastor Dennis, how are you going to do this to me? You're going to go on vacation and leave me to preach about circumcision? Come on, man. He's like, oh, you got it. So he's watching at the beach right now, and he's having a good chuckle. So parents in the room, if you've got some kids, and you get in the car, and they start asking questions, I am so sorry. You have to answer them. You can send all your emails to him. So anyway, this whole circumcision thing, why, why did God choose to work through circumcision? Like, what's that all about? You see, it's quite an in-depth answer here. You see, circumcision is a symbolic death to avoid ultimate death. See, to this point, God was at war between sin and flesh. That's why he had to flood the earth and wipe it away. So circumcision acts like Noah's ark. It separates God from uh, God's people from all the flesh, or from from little. Sorry, it separates God's people from all the flesh who will be destroyed in God's judgment. It's the blood on the doorpost at the Passover that separates the Hebrews, so the angel of death doesn't destroy their firstborn. So circumcision here, folks, is it's a symbol. It's a symbol of this covenant. It's a literal cutting off, painful cutting off of the flesh. But you see, this covenant is conditional. 
How do I know that? Because the scripture tells us that those who were not circumcised would be cut off from the people. But you see, it had a physical <clears throat> and a spiritual meaning. I love what the writer of Deuteronomy says. You can see here on the, on the TV, he says this. He says, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and live. So he's like, yes, am I asking you to cut off your flesh as a sign and a symbol? Yes, but he says you are in this battle, this war between flesh and spirit, flesh and spirit, and your sinful depraved side is gonna pull you toward the flesh. But when you get circumcised, I want it to be a physical and a spiritual symbolic gesture to, to show that you are no longer attached to the flesh, but that you are now gonna walk by the spirit. Now, some of you may be asking, was this still in effect? Like, when does this end? Hold that thought and we'll come back to it. Let's see what happens in verse 17. It says, Abram, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man of 100 years old? So folks, even though this is a simple, meaningless thing, I think it's important to point out that Abraham fell face down, not once, but twice. The first time was out of pure honor to God. Now it's just out of disbelief. He's like, God, I know you're El Shaddai. I know you're all powerful and all sufficient, but God, can I let you in on a little secret? I'm 99 years old and my wife is 90. God, are you sure? Like, I, I believe you. I believe what you're saying. I'm following you, but you're sure, God. Am I gonna have a kid? Are you positive? Look what he says, verse 17. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Then God said, yes, but your wife, will Sarah, Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him. Oh, you can go back. I will establish my covenant. Oh, go back to the scripture. Oh, there we go. You will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Which then leads us to our third point this morning. Abraham's obedience to the covenant would then make a way for the new covenant. And say this with me, folks, the Messiah. Okay, I don't know if your ears just perked up a little bit, but that right there is a big deal. He says, okay, listen, Sarah and Abraham, I know you messed up before, but I'm giving you a second chance. You mess up the first covenant, so we're, it's okay. We're going to continue. We're going to stay on plan. You're going to have a son. His name is going to be Isaac. See, God's got a sense of humor. You know why? You know what Isaac means? It means he laughs. It means laughter. So God says, listen, not only am I going to give you another son, but I'm going to name him after laughter so that Abraham every time you see your son Isaac you can always remember that yes God did something crazy he used a 99 year old man and a 90 year old woman to conceive a son he says when you you say that name Isaac I want you to remember that I am El Shaddai that I am all powerful because here I don't know if you can catch the importance of this but you don't have to but if you were to flip over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 you would see a genealogy and it goes a little something like this. It says, Abraham is the father of Isaac, okay? See, without Isaac, none of what's to come would happen. 
So Isaac is the first domino. And then it goes a little something like this. Abraham, father of Isaac. Isaac to Jacob. Jacob to Judah. Judah to Jesse. Jesse to some guy named King David. David to some wise man named Solomon. Solomon down down the line to some guy named Mathan. I've never heard of before. But Mathan is the father of this really cool guy named Joseph. I don't know if you've heard of Joseph. But Joseph had a son and everybody tell me his name. His name is Jesus. You got a little ahead of me. I like that. Jesus. So we go all the way down the lineage to Jesus. Jesus is now here. What started with an old covenant, God said, hey, that old way, remember how we talked about, do you have to be circumcised anymore? Abraham, you're not going to be able to live through, through this part. But hey, you guys in the future, you don't have to get circumcised anymore. You don't have to cut off your old flesh. Well, why, God? Why, I mean, we're thankful, but why don't we have to do that? It's because you don't know what I have in store. He says, Abraham, you're not going to be able to see this with your own eyes, but just trust me, because there is somebody that is greater and smarter and better than you or anybody else that will ever walk this earth. As a matter of fact, he will be the perfect person in the flesh His name will be Jesus. He will come to the earth from heaven. He'll step out of heaven onto earth. He will live a perfect life. So you no longer have to be circumcised and the flesh be cut off. Why? Because this guy, Jesus, is going to walk up a hill in a mountain called Calvary. He's going to die on a cross. And he's going to be put to death in the flesh so that you don't have to. All that from Abraham's obedience to the birth of Isaac, which will one day lead to Jesus. See, earlier we talked about we always get it wrong and feel like we're in charge. God says, hey guys, that's the beauty of the gospel. You don't have to get it all right. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody will come to the Father except through me. He doesn't want us to be perfect. He wants us to produce. He wants us to follow and walk and seek after Jesus. So Abraham said, God, I will follow you. I trust in you. And that day, Abraham and Ishmael went and got circumcised. That concludes chapter 17. And I was going to stop there, but this little piece in chapter 18, I just, I just had, to, had to slip it in. So if you have your Bibles, look in chapter 18. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, and then we're going to skip down to verse 9. So the scripture says that the Lord appeared to Abraham. Now here's the thing. Abraham did not know that it was the Lord when he appeared to him. The Lord appeared to Abraham with two other men, two angels. Now this is really cool for you, Bible wizards, because this is what we call a theophany. This is when God reveals himself to a man in the flesh. Now, we don't know if it was God the Father or if it was pre-incarnate Jesus. Like, these are like, all the dots are connecting here. Abraham to Isaac. Isaac would be the one day Jesus. And this could potentially be a Christophany. And Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ who hadn't even come yet, is in the flesh speaking to Abraham. Abraham doesn't even know it. These three men are walking to this city called Sodom, we'll talk about in a few weeks. And Abraham was camping outside, and he says, I don't know who those guys are, but something's up. So he approached me, and he said, hey guys, do you want to stay at my house? You can come and stay in my tent? He said, as a matter of fact, I will wash your feet, and I will make you a meal. So here's what happens. Look at verse 9. They walk in the tent, and they say this. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. 
Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Don't miss this. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Are you serious? She's in the midst of God and she questions him. Look at what happens next. Folks, sometimes in life, we beg God to answer our prayers and then we get mad when he answers them different than the way we wanted. Can you believe that she would have the gumption to do this? She's been asking and asking and asking, God, I want a son. God, would you give me a son? God, would you, okay, you gave me a covenant. Okay, God, your, your covenant, your timeline, it's not quick enough for me. She asked, she prayed, he gave it, but it wasn't the way she wanted it. Do we ever do this in life? God, I need a job. God, I need a husband. God, I need a whatever. And God, I need you to work on my timeline. And then you know what happens? He actually does it and actually gives it to us. But you know what? Sometimes it's not the way we wanted it or it's not what we thought it would be. We wanted box A and we get some other box that's not even on the menu. And then who are we to question God and say, I don't even want it now. And that's what Sarah did. We beg God to answer our prayers, and we get mad when he answers them differently than the way we wanted. Look what happens next. It says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? We're going to skip down to another verse. Look what happens next. It says, Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he, and you know who he is, El Shaddai, all-powerful God, said, yes, but you did laugh. Always remember, Abraham, always remember, Sarah, that I, God, El Shaddai, all-powerful, will not be mocked. And then I love this. Look what he says to Abraham in verse 14. Abraham says, God, you sure? I'm your man. God, can you do this? And he says this, is anything too hard for the Lord. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. How humbling must that have been for Sarah, for Abraham? God says, hey, I don't know how many times I go to tell you I am all powerful. I know it doesn't make sense. I know this plan, you, you, you can't see the end. But he says, never forget, your ways are not my ways. He says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. And though you may not get it now, for those of you that follow me, I am constantly working on behalf of your good. So friends at home or in the room, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what season you're in. Maybe you're in a season of waiting. You're like, God, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting on an answer. Friend, I'm here today to tell you that maybe the answer that you were looking for is on the other side 
of your obedience. God says, hey, I get that you're waiting and I get that you're praying pretty hard, but I need you to do more than that. I need you to seek me. I need you to pursue me. I need you to walk with me. I know you're in this tug of war match between flesh and spirit and you're getting pulled every which way, but I need you to faithfully walk before me because you see, when you walk before me, I can guard behind you and beside you, all around you, above you, below you. I can work within you. How? How, God? How can you do that? Because I have sent you Jesus, and Jesus' spirit is living inside of you, but you've got to feed that spirit, and when you feed that spirit, you will produce. You will produce fruit, and your will. Faith will begin to grow, and people will begin to see God working in your life, and most importantly, when you are following and walking with the Lord, you will know God's will for your life. That's all we want, right? God, I don't care if it's box A, B, C. I don't care. God, I just want to be in your will. God, how do I find your will? By walking with me. So what type of faith do you have today? You see, a faith that doesn't cost much is a faith that isn't worth much. I don't know what God's calling you in today. But for somebody, God's saying, hey, if you'll just be obedient, if you'll just follow me, the answer that you're looking for is there. You just got to stay focused and keep walking with me. Maybe some of you today, you just say, hey, I need to, to fully submit to God. I've been doing this 75%, one foot in the flesh, one foot in the spirit, but starting right now, just like Abraham had a, had a light switch moment, starting right now, I'm going to follow and pursue God, don't be like Sarah. Don't allow your will to take over, but may you walk in the Spirit. Why? Because we serve an all-powerful God named El Shaddai. And never forget the question that he leaves us with today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Pray with me. Jesus, in this moment, God, we thank you for the word that you have given to us. God, your call is clear. God, I pray for the brother or the sister who's in the room today, or at home or wherever. And God, the first step for them is realizing that they do not have a relationship with you. God, their first step of faith needs to be stepping out in salvation. Your word tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, I ask that you would give them the courage to step out in faith, maybe today or at home. God, and place their faith in you and repent of their sins and follow you with their life. God, I pray for the brother and sister, God, who's in a tug of war between flesh and spirit. God, for the brother or sister who is praying and seeking you, seeking your will. God, I ask that you would make it clear to them God, would you fill us with your word, with prayer? God, will we as believers and brothers and sisters discern into one another's life? God, may we never go astray. May we never speed your plan up. May we always be confident and faithful that you are El Shaddai, that you are all-powerful. God, you're all-powerful over our church, over our life, over our country, and over the world. God, we place our faith in you today. We ask this in Jesus' holy, precious, most powerful name.